Hello, everyone. This is Patriot Underground here. Now, before we start the show, I just want to say a quick word on behalf of Patriot Underground Gold and PatriotUndergroundSilver.com. You folks have heard me talk a lot about rolling over your 401k and your IRA into precious metals. We all know that the dollar is on its way out. De-dollarization is here. The BRICs are spearheading this effort. Now is the time to make these moves, folks. Click the link in the description and my team will contact you and explain how easy it is. And this will be the best financial decision you've ever made. I am not a financial analyst myself, but quite frankly, you don't have to be to see the direction that things are going in the world. We have a narrow opportunity to protect and secure the wealth that we've earned our entire lives. It's time to de-dollarize yourself and put your savings into precious metals. It's a no-brainer, folks. Click the link in the description, like I said, and you will be happy you did. All right, everybody, enjoy the show. Patriot out. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Patriot Underground. Today is December 3rd, 2023. Thank you so much for joining me, folks, to discover the truth beneath the surface. As always, I really do appreciate everybody out there taking the time to listen. So tonight, I'm going to provide a situation analysis report. And indeed, it's been a while since I've done one of these. And I apologize to folks. I've been doing the very best I can to try to put together content for all of you. And certainly, we have an awful lot to discuss, as I typically say at the beginning of every show. So let's just go ahead and dive right in. I thought we could begin tonight by talking a little bit about BRICS and the de-dollarization process and really honing in on the financial aspect of this war, because there is a lot of confusion, there's a lot of fog of war, and I think it's very important to revisit a key statement that Trump made regarding the U.S. dollar and kind of use that as a springboard for our analysis tonight. So he came out not too long ago and reminded everybody that the U.S. dollar no longer being the world's reserve currency would be worse than losing a world war. And when you consider where we are right now, at least on the surface, in terms of being on the cusp of nuclear war in Central Europe, and certainly with the Middle East escalating on an hourly basis, that's a pretty profound statement. And I do believe that Trump is delivering a calm. I, I think that he's reminding all of us that victory in this war is synonymous with overcoming the cabal's attempt to dethrone the dollar. And so that really begs the question, what is the White Hat strategy to counter this. We know that the cabal is attempting to crash the dollar. We know that they're doing everything that they can to destabilize and ultimately expose the petrodollar in order to have it crash so that they can roll in their CBDC, a new form of tyranny, an ultra form of tyranny, really, where they have control over every aspect of your life. It's just a modern iteration of the fiat debt prison. That's exactly what they want. So what is the White Hat strategy to counter this? And how is it not a paradox that the BRICS de-dollarization agenda seems to be at odds with Donald Trump's statement? And this is where a lot of confusion associated with the fog of war comes into play, because this is indeed a geopolitical paradox. It seems counterintuitive to say that the BRICS de-dollarization movement is a White Hat agenda given Trump's warning. Shouldn't Trump's statement as the leader of the alliance lead us to believe that the BRICS strategy of de-dollarization is at odds with the white hat agenda of protecting the U.S. dollar and making sure that it maintains its place as the world's reserve currency? Those two things don't really seem to jive. And if we believe, for example, that Vladimir Putin is a white hat, and indeed I do, and I believe a lot of members out there in my audience agree with that. 
then how can we reconcile that statement? If Trump and Putin are working in opposite directions toward opposite goals, then how could they be allies? It really does present a paradox. But this is where we have to get a little bit more specific in terms of what de-dollarization really means. We have to understand that the economic aspect of this war is between fiat currency and constitutional currency, of course, in the context of the United States. But really, in the grand scheme of things, as far as the entire world is concerned, abolishing fiat currency and replacing it with either gold-backed or precious metal-backed or asset-backed, tangible, commodity-backed currency. That's what this is really all about. The BRICS de-dollarization agenda, this whole initiative that they've been spearheading and that's been gathering steam with every passing second of every passing day is not about killing the U.S. dollar, because if it were, then certainly Trump and Putin couldn't be allies, especially given everything that's at stake. When Trump came out and said that if the U.S. dollar gets dethroned as the world's reserve currency, that's worse than losing a war. Because the victor in war really comes down to the country that has the economy that can sustain the ability to fight the longest. That's what it really comes down to. It's all rooted in economics. And so, once again, the de-dollarization agenda, as far as the BRICS trade union is concerned, it's not about killing the U.S. dollar. Rather, it's about redefining it from a fiat petrodollar to a gold-backed currency. And the white hat endgame is to reestablish the constitutional dollar as the world's reserve currency. See, that's what we really need to understand. When Trump comes out and tells us that the U.S. dollar has to maintain its supremacy on the world stage in terms of being the world's reserve currency, he's not talking about the fiat debt prison tool that's been used to enslave us. He's talking about reestablishing and redefining, ultimately, what the U.S. dollar is, what it's based on, and bringing us back into a constitutional system. That's what this is all about. And it's important to understand that having the U.S. dollar as the world's reserve currency means that it's used all around the world. Those dollars get exported and used all around the world. And so what that's done is it's kept the dollar stable, even as a fiat currency, even in its current form, from massive inflation. But if the U.S. dollar ceases to be the world's reserve currency, and this is really what Trump is getting at, then all of that fiat floods back into the United States, and it leads us into a hyperinflationary scenario. And so what's really happening here, folks, is that the BRICS de-dollarization agenda that, as I said, has been gaining more and more momentum, is all about eroding the fiat petrodollar. The reason that we're experiencing inflation and interest rate hikes at the current moment is due to BRICS de-dollarization, the isolation of the U.S. dollar in its fiat form on the world stage. And so the active process of eliminating fiat dollars as the world's reserve currency is what is causing our money to lose its purchasing power. So if we really examine the white hat strategy, it raises the question, is there a scenario, and, and not just the white hat strategy, but also 
the BRICS agenda, because as I just explained, they're really working toward the same goal. We then could ask ourselves, going back to Trump's original statement that I began with tonight, is there a scenario where the U.S. dollar could remain the world's reserve currency and not function as a tool of tyranny and therefore be accepted by the rest of the world? And I do believe the answer to that question is yes, if the following conditions are met. If the U.S. dollar becomes gold-backed, absolutely. And if the central banks are abolished or reformed, bare minimum, to not be based upon debt. And if we have a situation where every nation in the world has its own sovereign currency, either gold-backed or asset-backed, and all nation state level debt to the private Western Central Bank is wiped out and we experience a global reset, then yes, I think the answer to that question is absolutely. The rest of the world would be very happy to have the U.S. dollar remaining as the world's reserve currency, but not in its current form, not as a fiat debt prison tool. And so what we've got here, folks, is we've got a tale of two systems. We've got the fiat system which is based upon profiting off of debt at war with the gold-backed system or asset-backed system, which is based upon mutual prosperity. That's really what it comes down to. And if the U.S. dollar goes gold-backed, the fiat debt prison dissolves. And that would create a scenario where the entire world can prosper if this reset occurs. Once again, if nation-state level debt is abolished, and then if you took those funds and redirected them to all the different nations around the world to rebuild their societies for not just infrastructure, but also for the individuals in those societies, the citizens of all those countries, that could turn things around very, very quickly. And so this is where I wanted to tie in Javier Malay and what I believe to be the optics around this man and what I think is his real agenda. Now, first of all, when he initially won the election, we were all applauding because the first things that we learned about him, for those of us who hadn't really been paying attention to his whole campaign, and I was certainly one of those people, one of the first things that I became aware of was his declaration that he was going to end child trafficking. And he already signed legislation in order to do that. And so clearly... That immediately got my attention. And not only that, he came out and he said he was going to close the central banks in Argentina. And so mostly everybody out there was just applauding and thinking this is absolutely amazing. But there were a lot of people saying, well, hold on, pump the brakes. This guy has connections to the World Economic Forum. We need to pause here. We need to not be too quick to jump to a conclusion. And then very recently he announced that Argentina was not going to be joining the BRICS, as had been the plan prior to his election. And given our conversation leading off the show tonight, obviously, that got a lot of people out there scratching their heads and saying, wait a second, I'm really, I'm all for ending child trafficking, I'm all for closing the central banks, but why aren't you getting behind this de-dollarization process? And the answer, folks, is because he's working on Team Trump but from a different angle. This is a pincer attack. You've got the BRICS countries and you've got the Western white hats, if you will, led by Trump and, of course, Malay, 
being a part of that team, working together to isolate and to eliminate cabal fiat currency. That's what's really going on here. I do believe this man is a white hat. Now, certainly we can speculate and we can hypothesize all day long. Ultimately, the jury is still out on every one of these individuals, practically, because we don't really know who's who. But I'm just giving you folks my overall assessment of Malay at the current moment. Now, I want to switch gears a little bit here, and we're going to talk about the art of war. Now, a few days ago, I posted on Telegram a definition of the term subversion. I'm just going to read that as a way of framing this aspect of our discussion tonight. Now, subversion means a process by which the values and principles of a system in place are contradicted or reversed in an attempt to sabotage the established social order and its structures of power, authority, tradition, hierarchy, and social norms. And underneath that definition, with a little winky face emoji, I wrote, it works both ways. Now, let's keep that in mind as we examine Elon Musk's recent posts and statements, because I do believe they are a perfect example of the art of war. Now, to further frame this discussion, let's talk about the information war and our role as digital soldiers. What are the objectives of the information war? And we've discussed this from a 40,000-foot perspective many times. It's all about raising consciousness and ultimately building public support for military intervention so that Trump could come back as a wartime president and give us the justice that, of course, all of us are demanding. Now, how has the enemy deceived the public? Well, certainly we know that they've used military psychological operations against the population. Schellenberger just testified about this the other day on Capitol Hill. The enemy uses deception. They use subversion. They use, as I mentioned a moment ago, psyops, disinformation tactics. They have weaponized information against the American people. That's what the three-letter agencies have done. And it's becoming more and more obvious with every passing day with all of these hearings on Capitol Hill. This is red-pilling people left and right. Don't kid yourself. But then we have to ask the question, what are the white hats doing to counter this fifth-generational warfare? Are they just using their own tactics, or are they reversing enemy tactics against the deep state? Are they using deception to game the enemy? And certainly we know the answer to that question is absolutely. And why? Because the overt approach doesn't work. You can't tell people because they don't want to believe it. We often talk about that, that catchphrase, you can't tell people, so you have to show them. But the really important part doesn't often get said. The part that I just mentioned, you can't tell people because they don't want to believe it. That's the real reason that this information war has had to unfold the way it has. They have to experience it. It's not just a matter of being reluctant to believe it. They are programmed to not believe it and to not want to believe it. And so keeping all of that in mind about the tactics of the enemy and how the White Hats are reversing those tactics, let's ask a couple of key questions 
about Elon Musk. And of course, tying Seth Rich into this conversation. Why are Elon's recent posts about Pizzagate the perfect example of the strategy of the White Hats that I just broke down? Reversing the enemy's own tactics against them. We often talk about a reversal event, but this entire war has been about reversal. So Elon's recent posts about Pizzagate, how are they a perfect example of this strategy? And how does this tie into the recent news about Seth Rich's laptop and the accelerated narrative prep for an internet shutdown? We've certainly seen that ramp up in recent weeks. So let's examine the Seth Rich story in a little bit more detail. Now, a few days ago, Zero Hedge put out an article with the headline, Federal Judge Orders the FBI to Finally Release Seth Rich's Laptop. And in the article, it points out that Rich was the source of the leaked DNC emails provided to WikiLeaks, and that ultimately, this was the motivation for his murder. And in this article, it references Podesta's infamous email where he talked about making an example of any suspected leaker. It also mentions Kim.com, who has verified on multiple occasions that he knew Seth Rich and that he was the WikiLeaks source. There's also a lot of discussion about Julian Assange and his connections to Seth Rich. And ultimately, the story is that at the end of a long legal battle, we now have a judge in Texas ordering the FBI and the DOJ to finally release the contents of Seth Rich's laptop. And to be more specific about it, the ruling was that within 14 days, the FBI, DOJ, and the plaintiff, I can't remember the individual who's the plaintiff in this case, forgive me, have to present a timeline to the judge. So ultimately, this is going to come out. The Seth Rich laptop, all of the contents on that laptop is going to come out. And certainly we know that there's a lot of other evidence on that laptop that never saw the light of day. That's the whole purpose of suppressing it. That's the whole reason that they fought for six years to prevent this information from coming out. Seth Rich had much more that was about to come out. This wasn't just about making an example, because if it was, the computer wouldn't have been confiscated and withheld by the three-letter agencies. And of course, as I mentioned a moment ago, this brings Assange back into the spotlight. He was working with Rich. And Kim.com connected them. Now, I don't know much about Kim.com. I'm not going to provide any commentary about this individual, but certainly a very well-known and well-followed entrepreneur who's well-respected within these different circles. And so again, the judge ordered the government and the plaintiff to recommend a timeline for this disclosure within... 14 days. And the way I see it, folks, this is a red pill either way. Either this is going to open up the floodgates or, and I don't think that that's actually going to happen because I don't think they're going to actually hand it over, at least not without trying other tactics to delay or somehow recommending a timeline of 60 years or something along those lines or producing something that's so heavily redacted that we don't get anything out of it, no new information. So either best case scenario, they hand everything over, the floodgates open, or we see more deep state obstruction. That's going to further underscore the FBI and the DOJ corruption that we've been seeing build this narrative for months now.
And it's not just a narrative, it's proof to the, the whole world, not just the American people, of what the FBI and the DOJ really are, what their function really is. It's all about insulating the cabal. And so if they redact the report and they claim national security, it'll prove that they're hiding something, just like Dick Durbin standing in the way of the Epstein flight logs. It becomes really obvious to the American people. You think that people out there aren't putting two and two together at this point, more and more every single day? Jeffrey Epstein has become a household name, folks. And it's become more and more obvious to the masses over time that the government is hiding that flight log to protect themselves. So when we see Dick Durbin stand in the way, we know exactly the reason for that. And the American people understand with ever-increasing clarity. It's even more obvious than the whole story about Seth Rich and his murder being a botched robbery. How ridiculous is that? He was shot twice in the back. They didn't take any of his money. They didn't take any of his jewelry or his watch. None of his possessions. They just shot him twice in the back. And then tried to sell everybody on the idea that this was a botched robbery. It's absolutely insane. And isn't it interesting that this whole story is happening just as Pizzagate is coming back into the news. With that fake headline, that fake New York Post headline that was attributed to this pedophile James Gordon Meek. And I want to talk about that in a little bit of detail here. Now, for a long time, we've been discussing this overall strategy as 5D chess and the white hats running their psyops on the deep state. And you have to remember that the white hat objective in this theater of the war is twofold. It's to raise public consciousness about human trafficking and pedophilia. And also to demonstrate that the MSM is gaslighting the public about satanic ritual abuse. So is it possible that the White Hats created this New York Post headline to get Pizzagate back into the news, going back to what we said about subversion and reversing the enemy tactics against them? Why not create a fake headline? Why not attribute it to a known pedophile who's already been convicted and use this as a chess move? Why would they want to do that? Well, of course, they want to get this back into the headlines. They want people to be talking about Pizzagate and prepping the public consciousness for revelations about human trafficking, about pedophilia. Don't you think it's possible that the White Hats wanted mainstream media to attack Elon Musk? To draw public attention to the issue of human trafficking? Absolutely. And this is exactly what the art of war looks like. This is game theory. Now everybody is talking about it again. Because the enemy has to react to Elon Musk. Everything that he says or does, they have to cover it. They have to respond to it. They can't ignore it. And so the White Hats, knowing that, I believe baited them with this false information, this false headline. Now, I could be wrong about that. But I do believe it would be an absolutely brilliant chess move to direct consciousness using subversive tactics 
ahead of disclosure about pedophilia and human trafficking and satanic ritual abuse and adrenochrome and all of the horrors that we can't even conceive of. And of course, the exposure of the mainstream media. This is what game theory looks like. You have to keep in mind that consciousness is steadily rising all across the world. The White Hats want mainstream media and they want all the cabal corporations like Disney to set themselves up to be exposed as the real enemy of the people. And meanwhile, very interestingly, the WikiLeaks emails are back in the news with the Seth Rich FOIA request that just so happens to be the very source that initially broke Pizzagate to begin with. Isn't that interesting timing? As they say, folks, timing is everything. And as we also know, the Space Force has it all. Trump has told us so many different times, I've caught them all. I've caught the swamp. They've got everything. We already know that disclosure is going to accelerate through the white hat sleepers that I talked about on my last show, regardless of what the deep state does, regardless of what the FBI does, the DOJ, mainstream media, nothing can stop what's coming. And so this is the art of war on display. In my opinion, the White Hats created this fake headline to bait the mainstream media, to thrust this story back into the consciousness of the masses. They wanted Elon Musk to be universally attacked by all of these cabal corporations. And of course, mainstream media, so that when the truth finally comes out, and it's not going to be long from now. The enemy will have exposed themselves. That's what Sun Tzu was all about, folks. Allowing the enemy to destroy themselves. Not standing in the way when they're in the process of so doing. And keep in mind, we've already heard about a massive amount of people out there. 23 million people. Another interesting number have already canceled their Disney plus subscriptions in response to this. 23 million. Now, if that's not a barometer of consciousness, folks, I don't know what is. But as I mentioned a moment ago, regardless, the White Hats have everything all lined up behind the scenes. They've got all of the evidence. They've got all the proof. They've got all the Trump cards. They're holding the aces here. The deep state has been led down a path by the alliance because their playbook is known. The enemy is going to attempt to stonewall and delay just like they always do, just like they did and are doing and have been doing for the past six years with Seth Rich's laptop. But the problem for them is that there comes a point where they eventually run out of options because the white hat sleepers behind the scenes are going to continually leak information. More and more disclosure is going to come out. And they have no way to stop its dispersal to the masses. In large part, probably primarily because, not so much because of true social, but because of Elon Musk's takedown of Twitter and converting it into a red-pilling machine 
for all of the normies out there. Don't get me wrong. I love True Social, but that's not going to do it. You have to bring the information war directly to where you want consciousness to be elevated. Because this is all about raising consciousness versus suppressing it. And Elon Musk had a brilliant quote. Of course, he told everybody in the cabal corporations to go F themselves. That's the big headline. That was the big soundbite. But the more important statement that he made is that the judge is the public. The White Hats are setting all of this up from Seth Rich to Elon Musk deliberately to put this issue squarely in the court of public opinion and to red pill the masses. This isn't being done in an effort to get justice within the civilian system. That's the military's function. And that's going to happen, I firmly believe, sometime before the next election, as public consciousness continues to rise exponentially. But Sun Tzu, everybody knows the famous quote that all warfare is based upon deception. And the one that I just referenced a moment ago, the opportunity of defeating the enemy is provided by the enemy himself. That's what the White Hats are really up to here. There's a reason that neither Trump nor Musk look worried. Despite the fact that they're getting attacked from all different angles, certainly Donald Trump more than anybody else. Because they know how this movie ends. They're using game theory tactics that are rooted in the art of war to put the enemy on trial in the court of public opinion. The judge is the public. Elon Musk nailed it right on the head, and he told you what this was really all about. It's about exposing the enemy to the masses. The alliance knows that the real power in any society emanates from the bottom up. And not only that, it emanates from an awakened and informed population. They knew, the White Hats, they knew that the public was going to stand with Elon Musk, and they have. To reverse boycott all of these corporations to erode their power and their influence. It's absolutely genius. And so this is the purpose of everything that we've been seeing. To red pill the masses and to raise collective human consciousness to the fifth dimension. Where the fourth dimensional mind control tricks and all of these MK Ultra tactics are ineffective. Because we have ascended beyond them. And of course, it's also to demonstrate that military is the only way because the denial of justice is going to be so naked and so brazen and the tyranny that they're going to attempt to put on all of us, in addition to what they already have, to suppress the will of the people is going to forever alter the consciousness of this world once this process fully matures, which is rapidly doing. But the military is holding all of the trump cards, folks. And so that really brings me into a discussion about 107. Now, certainly, folks who have been listening to my show know that I respect Juan. I've certainly talked about his intel. I've analyzed it now for the better part of two and a half years. And the reason for that is because he's demonstrated, in my view, reasons to have credibility. He's got close proximity to Trump. He was one of the only people that I'm aware of 
that told everybody to prepare for the inauguration of fake Biden. He was also one of the only ones to accurately predict Trump's arrest. So there are reasons, in my view, to listen to what Juan has to say. But there's also been a lot of things along the way that he's gotten wrong. Now, whether that's on purpose or not, well, the jury is still out on that. I want to preface this commentary by letting everybody know that I am not suggesting that Juan O'Savin is a bad guy, but I do need to provide some very pointed criticism here. Because this is a guy, whether you love him or you hate him, you have to acknowledge that he's been one of the key driving forces of the consciousness of the patriot movement. And there are a lot of people out there who continue to listen to what he says and to base their belief system on the information that he's putting out there. And so therefore, we really have to examine what was said in this interview that I found to be so concerning. Now, the first part of the conversation had to do with the battle behind the scenes between SES and NORAD and Space Force. And essentially, he didn't really say anything new as far as that goes. Ultimately, that the idea is that once a certain threshold was met in terms of a nuclear threat, that all of the systems, to use his word, scram to NORAD, and basically all of the satellites, all the communications, everything that's necessary in order for a military force to function is going to be under the control of the White House. So that makes perfect sense. And that would give Trump the ability to come back as a wartime president, as he talks about, that Trump is going to come back not as president, but as commander in chief. So that, of course, decisions can be made on a dime so that mass arrests can happen, so that justice can happen, military tribunals, the whole lot of it. I get all that. But he also talked about January 6th. And let's not forget that at the time, all of us believed that Trump was going to sign the Insurrection Act. The Marines were going to storm in. They were going to arrest everybody. And that this process was really going to unfold in the aftermath of the theft of the election. That's what we wanted. And for years now, Juan has been talking about why Trump did not signed the Insurrection Act. As a matter of fact, he brought it up in the interview with Nino, reminding everybody that Trump did not sign the Insurrection Act because it would lead by degrees to civil war. And that all of this was gamed out with supercomputers, with AI. And they didn't want that to happen. Well, obviously, that makes sense. And we've all since accepted that, that that decision had to be made. That they had to stand down and they had to allow this fake administration to take the reins to avoid civil war, to avoid Americans having to get kinetically involved in this operation. And I've said this has been a cornerstone of my analysis, that the whole Q operation has been designed right from the beginning to do exactly that, to avoid Massive bloodshed in the streets to avoid ordinary people from having to pick up their weapons and do the kinetic fighting. Q told us that our families are safe. As a matter of fact, Q talks about certainly a scare event and a sky event, but he certainly does not talk about, at least to my knowledge or recollection, the precipice of destruction or a near-death experience. But be that as it may, I've always understood that this was the primary objective. And again, Juan mentioned that. But then later on in the interview, 
when Nino really pressed him on it, and good on Nino for doing this, he asked the direct question, are you telling me, Juan, that ordinary citizens are going to have to pick up arms to fight, in Juan's estimation, two to three million illegals plus UN troops, plus Antifa and God knows how many other terror cells. He was basically asked the question by Nino, are you telling me that because the military has been shipped over and will be shipped over to Ukraine and to the Middle East, that it's going to be up to the American people and law enforcement to deal with these two to three million hostiles. And Juan said unequivocally, absolutely. He didn't even mince words about it. And this absolutely blew me away because I'm sitting there thinking, wait a second, just like all of you, isn't the whole point to avoid kinetic fighting? Let's do a little bit of math here. You're telling me that if there are two to three million hostiles and then there's millions of armed patriots, millions of armed Americans out there fighting, not knowing who the enemy really is. You're telling me that that's anything different than civil war. And look, I understand the difference between revolutionary war and civil war, folks. I get it. But there is so much fog of war, so much confusion at this point, so much disinformation. People wouldn't even know who the enemy was. So you're telling me that this is going to play out this way and it's not going to be an absolute horror show that would be in any way better than signing the Insurrection Act and doing this a couple of years ago? We're talking about tens of millions of people dead in the streets, folks. If I'm understanding what Juan is saying. So if that was ultimately where we were going to end up, then why would Trump not have signed the Insurrection Act? Why would he give the enemy three more years to flood the border with eight to 10 million more hostiles, more illegals? That doesn't make any sense. So I think that Juan really has to revisit this. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be having Kerry on the show. She and I have been talking about this behind the scenes. We're going to be doing a show on this this Tuesday. And she's actually putting together a panel to discuss this and other issues. But this is something, again, that I really think that we can't just give him a pass on this one. Because what he's really implying at this point is that the American people are going to end up doing kinetic fighting on the streets. And I'm not going to sit here and play semantics about the difference between civil war and revolutionary war. The bottom line is that our faith has been rooted in the white hats and the military at the end of the day, stepping in and doing the fighting so that ordinary people aren't going to have to engage in a bloodbath on the streets. So more to follow on that, folks. But hopefully what I believe and what so many of you out there believe and what we've been told through other sources and certainly through the primary source, which is Q himself, is that in the end, the military is going to be the one to step in and that our families are safe and that our role has been and will remain to be digital soldiers and then ultimately to transition into what I so often talk about, which is our divine purpose. And that is to rebuild to re-educate the society, to help people heal, to be that source of love on the other side of military intervention. But I don't believe for one second, and I don't agree with that assessment for one second, 
Because if this plan means anything at all, it has meant anything at all. It's about avoiding the very scenario that he's talking about. Now, realistically, are there certain pockets and areas where there's going to be violence? Yeah, absolutely. I get that. But that's not the impression that I got based upon his statements. So hopefully he'll provide some clarity on that. Hopefully you folks enjoyed this podcast. I'm going to wrap it up now. Do me a favor and hit that like button if you did. And make sure you let me know in the comments what you thought of today's episode. I'm very excited. I'm going to be on Turn the Page with Janine tomorrow. Like I said, I've got Kerry Cassidy coming back on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, I'm going to be welcoming Utsava back to the show. So make sure you guys stay tuned. Make sure you check out all the links in the description. My affiliates, switch-stores.com, best place to get all of your personal and household products. All the money that you spend on every aspect of keeping your household going from toothpaste to dishwasher detergent to laundry detergent to hand lotion to vitamins, to essential oils. They've got it all. The best prices, the highest quality products out there shipped directly to your door. They compete against the cabal corporations that I talked about tonight in a different context, but they're standing shoulder to shoulder with us in this war. Switch-stores.com slash Patriot Underground. Click that link today and make the switch. You'll be happy you did. I also want to mention my locals community. We're continuing to expand. Like I said, we're going to have Another Q&A session. I'm going to reschedule that just as soon as possible. You can click the link in the description to become a part of the Q&A panel and also get first access to all of my new content as well as other bonus content like Patriot Underground Chats and other formats that I'm going to be rolling out real soon. And finally, I just want to remind folks how important it is to de-dollarize yourself to get out of the fiat debt prison dollar, to get out of the stock market Roll over your 401ks and your IRAs into precious metals today. PatriotUndergroundGold.com or PatriotUndergroundSilver.com. Gold Co. is the company I work with. They have some of the best prices, the best premiums in the business. They are absolutely amazing. More and more people are figuring this out every day, folks. We have a limited amount of opportunity here. Gold is continuing to rise. Gold and silver prices are continuing to rise I think they're going to break through that glass ceiling very, very soon. And the direction is going to be very, very clear. The entire world is moving toward precious metal backed currencies. We already know that a big part of the show is dedicated to it tonight. Don't wait, folks. Make the move today. PatriotUndergroundGold.com. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. God bless and Godspeed. I'll be back soon. Patriot out.